Young, back to throw. In trouble, he's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40, gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies. Touchdown, 49ers. Well, looks like the honeymoon is over. A very disappointing performance, a very sloppy effort from 49ers in week one has taken all the positive vibes and momentum and at least put them on the back burner for now. And look, I understand this is a process. I understand Rome wasn't built in a day. And hell, I didn't even expect this team to win this game, to be honest with you. But what I was looking for, I think, with this new regime is just a little bit of a glimmer of hope, a glimmer that showed something that 2017, the 49ers would at least be a tough out for an opponent. And, and that's not what we got in week one. And even though, though the rational person in me says, Al, be patient, it's going to get better. It was just week one. You saw how good the 49ers looked the past two week ones, and we all know how that turned out. The fan in me is a little bit tired of watching sloppy, non-competitive football for the last two and a half years. And it's hard to be patient, even though I know the rational thing to do right now is be patient. So, But it's a long season. Got to take a deep breath. Got to reevaluate things. And we're going to look at this game and see what happened. But not with Zane, who's still on vacation. He should be back next week, and we're looking forward to having him back. But we have another unbelievable co-host today, and it is none other than the 49ers fangirl herself, Tracy Sandler. Tracy, thanks so much for helping us out today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Are you, uh, how are you feeling after this game? Are you like sane? Are you, are you feeling like this is I'm, just a lost actually- cause? or? No, no, I'm very sane. I actually, Good. I think I, which will probably make this fun. I disagree with you on a lot of points. So I think that that will make it even it's perfect. Um, more, I think it'll make it even more interesting and more fun to talk about. And, and I still, and, and I'm the same. I, I almost disagree with what I'm saying, but I'm so frustrated just because, and, and like I said, we'll get into it, but I just expected more. I didn't expect them to win. I didn't even know that I expected them to look that great. I just expected them to not look completely incompetent and they look completely incompetent to me. So we'll get all into that. But before we, we start the postmortem, at least on my end, um, it's good to have a positive co-host, Tracy. This is not that Zane isn't positive, but I feel like you're going to be very positive. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I want to talk to you about the Fangirl Network, because for those who may not be familiar with you, um, it's a great story about how you built your brand and how you just kept climbing up the ladder and, and recently expanded. And this is all you. So I really want to know how you got started with this whole thing. Well, I started a few years ago. I used to work in uh, politics, and I was working um, in politics, and I started for fun a blog called The Trials and Tribulations of My Love-Hate Relationships with the San Francisco 49ers. And it was wordy, obviously a wordy title, but I just started really just for the fun of it. Like, I just figured I talked about it all the time. Um, I was a season ticket holder. It was my first year as a season ticket holder. So I was like, I might as well turn this into a creative outlet. And so I started just writing blog posts. And I would write post-game blog posts, and I would write things during the week that I thought, you know, just were inspiring or whatever, and, and that's what I did. And then after doing that for a season, um, it was the 2014 season, I felt like, you know, this is actually what I love to do. I used to work in sports many years ago. Um, so, well, not that many years ago, but a while back. And I decided that I would rebrand as 49ers Fangirl and make it more video-based. Because that was kind of, I felt like the direction things were going. So I did that for 2015. And I started 49ersfangirl.com and all the social handles for 49ers Fangirl. And I started doing two videos a week and then started doing a podcast with uh, Stephanie McCarroll and started writing blog posts and really liked doing it. And, and people seemed to respond to it and like the videos and like the podcast. So after that season, I felt like I was only going to get so far 
with one team and I wanted to turn it into uh, an actual business. So that's when we became Fangirl Sports Network and uh, fangirlsportsnetwork.com. There's my promotion. And I added uh, a woman by the name of Taylor Felix to cover the Rams as Rams Fangirl. And then kind of as an experiment for the NBA playoffs, I added Clippers Fangirl and Taylor actually is Clippers Fangirl as well. And then Stephanie McCarroll, as you many of you may know as SoCali Steph, became our Warriors fangirl. And they did a great job, and people really responded to it, and the content worked for the NBA as well. And the whole idea behind it is there are so many female sports fans, and there really isn't content that caters to them. And so, yes, we obviously do our traditional content that I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with, whether it be the Talking Touchdowns game preview, the game recaps, the podcast. But we also do some female-focused content. 45% of NFL fans are women, and there isn't particularly content focused towards women. And there seems to be this idea either you're a girl who likes sports or you aren't. And there are plenty of women who like sports and also like being women and are okay with that. So we do a lot of content like um, a healthy recipe for your tailgate, a workout you can squeeze in at halftime. We've had caterers and party planners come on for Super Bowl videos to create a drink for each of the teams for your Super Bowl parties, to do recipes, to even come up with flower arrangements for both teams in the colors to make your party like a little extra special. Um, We've done yoga poses to get you through the game. Five fun facts, which I think appeals to everybody. Everybody likes five fun facts. But we try to do content that women like and men like too, but there just isn't a lot out there that caters to women. In addition to that, though, obviously we have the talking touchdowns, we do the game previews, the recaps, we're tweeting the games. And the whole idea is that these are knowledgeable, passionate women who know as much about sports as any guy, but also are totally cool also being women um, and embracing the two sides of that. So that's the whole idea behind it. So this season, we have eight NFL fangirls covering the AFC and NFC West. Uh, So we have Broncos fangirl, Chargers fangirl, Raiders fangirl, Rams fangirl, 49ers fangirl, Chiefs fangirl, Seahawks fangirl, and Cardinals fangirl. Uh, So, so far, we're one week in, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, Our first fangirls play this week with the Chargers playing the Broncos. This next week, uh, Seahawks play the 49ers, and the 49ers play the Rams, the 49ers play the Cardinals, and Mm -hmm. there's going to be a bunch of that all season long. So it's been um, really fun and really good, and I'm excited. And so you can find all of them with at team name FGSN. I'm the only one who's 49ers fangirl um, because at this point I'm so known as that. Mm-hmm. But everybody else is at team FGSN on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, it's team fangirl. And then you can find everything at fangirlsportsnetwork.com where you can subscribe to their newsletters and find all their social channels. And this, the videos are great. They're edited. You know, it's not like you on your couch in your basement. Like these are edited, you know, great videos. No, they're definitely they very, yes, they're, definitely edited and they're definitely professionally done and you know we want a professional thank you and you know we want it to be very professional and you know we take it seriously even the thing with the recipes and looking good at the game we take it all you know very seriously we come from the perspective of knowledgeable female fans so you know we're very careful not to be silly but to have fun with it it's football it's fun it's sports it should be fun um, but we also obviously, of course, take it seriously. So it's, it's been a great, it's been a great, um, journey this far. 
And you've done so well with this, Tracy, your credential that, you know, I don't know, again, if, if everyone have, listening yeah. knows that, but you're, you're a credentialed reporter, basically, you're, you know, you're at the press conferences, you're at the practices. Um, and that says a lot. How long have you been credentialed for? How long have you been going to practice and things like that? Um, I have been fully credentialed this year. Last year, um, I did go to practices and I had my, you know, weekly credential, but this, um, over the last several months, I've been like fully, um, fully credentialed. So it's been it's great. really exciting. And I did work, I worked, you know, worked really hard for it. And, um, you know, I, I'm really excited about it. Um, and it's just, it's been like really kind of a dream come true to also have, you know, Sangal network taken so seriously by the team. And I have to say the 49ers have been great. Certainly, of course I had to earn it, but they've been sure. just awesome and supportive and they respect what I do and respect what we do. And I, you know, I'm, I feel very lucky to cover a team like that. Not all teams um, will credential blogs. So I think the 49ers yeah. are really great about, they're just, they've just been, they've been awesome and I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, so it's been great. It's obviously, I'm sorry, that's my dog, Cappy. That's fine. It's um, all it's good. Really, <laughs> it's really, yeah, that's, she's named after Colin Kaepernick, so she probably has something to say. Um, <laughs> but so, um, yeah, so it's been great. It's been an amazing experience and we're just continuing to grow. Um, and covering the 49ers has been great. I've been really lucky, I feel like, to cover this team. And, um, you know, being there every day has certainly given me, a you know, a great perspective and really helped add to the coverage, which has been awesome. Now, do you travel at all? Do you go to any road games or you just mostly do the home games when, when you're actually there covering? Mostly the home. Though this season, I will be traveling to um, some road games. So oh, which, do, you, do you know which games you're going to be at? I'm going to be, um, I'm most likely going to be in Seattle this weekend. Um, okay. I'm, I'll, I'll definitely be at the Rams game. Um, I'm hoping Cardinals and I may do Chicago as well. I was going to say, I think I'm doing Philly this year. So I was going to say if you were there, maybe oh, I'd see you there. Because I'm kind of logistically challenged. Um, I'm an East Coast guy, so it's tough for me. But like I so said, the Niners have been great when, when I'm able to actually get to a game you know they've credentialed us and and, and they've been there's they've been so great to us um but i've done a couple myself and i met the first one i've done buffalo like this was like overwhelming it was crazy you know because it's i've been writing for mm -hmm. a while and we just started doing the show but to actually be there and you know you're sitting next to matt mayoko you know and you're just kind of like it was just yeah. surreal to to do it and um, i probably look like an idiot with my eyes you you know wide and everything like that but it's great to do <laughs> i don't know i think i did but i don't know anyway <laughs> Um, all right, let's I would say the here. other thing I would like, the one the other thing I would like to say is it's an oh, yeah. amazing beat, a beat to work with. I mean, the beat, great. beat writers are, great people. we're like, it's a really great group of people and um, I feel lucky to work with them every day. They're good. And I can't, good. I can't say say oh. enough to just, you know, yourself and we have Cam Inman and Matt Barrows and Matt Mayoko, like they come on our show. They're always more than glad to help. You know, you don't have to twist their arms to come on. You say, Hey, are you guys free? Sure. When you need us, you know, they're, they're just they're a great awesome. bunch of guys. They really are. So yeah, I can't say enough good things about them. All right. So you're feeling positive about the game. I'm feeling negative. And what we're going to try to do well, is take a little bit of a different approach to breaking it down. And I want to do it kind of by position group. Talk about me, okay. what we expected versus what we actually got type can thing. I, and I want to make start... a general comment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily feel positive about the game, but I think there were positives in the game. But what, what I do think, and I tweeted this yesterday, and a couple were like, oh, so you think they're going to be good now? And I kind of like what you said in the beginning. The last two years, they've started the season 1-0, and and things mm -hmm. have gone downhill. And I tweeted that yesterday, like, you, you know, think of it that way. And it's not that I'm saying that, like, and now they're going to go 14-2 and or 15-1. and But what <laughs> right. I am saying, what I think you're going to see differently this year is that the team will improve week after week. They may not win week after week, 
well, they probably, and they probably won't win. They may not win again for a while, but, um, or win for a while since they haven't won yet. But I do think you'll see improvement week after week. Whereas I think the last two seasons, you had these wins on Monday night football and everyone was so excited. And then it all went downhill so fast and they got worse every week. I don't think that will be the same. So that, that is what, that is my feeling on that. And I think there were positives in the game that we can point to. And we can talk I, about them as we continue. I agree with that. And we're going off on a tangent, but it's all good. Um, I just, like I said, I just expected like to see like, oh, there's a positive and that's good. And I want to build on that. And it just seemed like it just snowballed to, you know, rolling downhill and starting off for me, I, I look at that first drive with, and I want to start with the receivers because I'm concerned about that position in the sense that beyond Pierre Garcon, I don't know what they have. And my expectation going into the season was that Garcon would be a target monster. And he kind of was in the first game and he had six catches for 81 yards and he looked every bit the reliable vet that he is. But I was a little concerned with having Goodwin and Robinson as, as your next two, because they haven't really done anything yet. I mean, they have 99 career catches between the two of them in that first drive. Offense looked pretty sharp. Hoyer looked pretty sharp. And then he throws the bomb to Robinson. It goes right through his hands. And all we heard all offseason was how he's going to break out and how well they were clicking um, in practices in that third preseason game. And then all you of a mean, sudden, it's win. like, good win. I'm sorry. Yes, good, good win. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, it goes right through Goodwin's hands. So all of a sudden, all we heard was that they were, how well it was clicking. And we see that, that third preseason game. Um, and then all of a sudden, again, just looks bad. And other than um, Pierre Garcon, the, I think, they only had four receptions, uh, maybe five receptions, the other receivers. So are, are you worried about this position group now? Or again, do you just think it's, it's going to get better as the season goes on? I mean, I'm, I've always been a little worried about the position, position group. I do think it's going to get better. I mean, I will say in practices, granted practices aren't games, but in practices, Hoyer and Goodwin have really connected and have played really well. There's been a really good chemistry there. I don't, they didn't have a ton of game practice together because there wasn't, you know, aside from the one preseason game, they really didn't play all that much. Hmm. Um, so I do think, so you think of it that way too. Like they only, that first preseason game, I think they all, they played like six plays, maybe the second, a few more. And then by the third, they had, you know, they had a nice thing going, but then they didn't play in the fourth preseason game. So they haven't had that much game experience together. So I would just keep that in mind because in practices they have looked good but again of course practice is a whole different animal sure. I do think they'll get better I mean Kyle said today in his press conference and he's right he would have liked to see Brian play better Brian would have liked to see Brian play better but if Brian's going to play better they all have to play better so I think there are there's more that goes into it I, the receivers it, it's not going to be like the strongest group of receivers in the league by any means and I think there is Certainly reason for concern, but I also think as the season goes on, you'll see better chemistry. You're right. The chemistry between him and Garcon is great. Like, that's awesome. But, I, you know, and Marquise Goodwin said yesterday after the game that that was on him, that drop pass, and he has to get better. And that, I think, is just going to take time. He doesn't have a ton of experience either. So it's just going to take a little bit of time. But he's super fast. And so if he can catch the ball, no one can catch him. And I think that is something. To point to now, there's a big if there because he does have to catch the ball for that to happen. But there's no one as fast as him, so if he can catch the ball, I think that that ends up being a really good pickup for the Niners. It just remains to be seen if that happens. Yeah, and they're putting a lot of faith in him. You know, here's a guy who, like I said, just only had 49 receptions in his first four years or whatever it was, and and they pretty much bring him in to be the 
the no doubt number two receiver, you know, and, and play a high percentage of the snaps. So they're putting a lot of faith in him. So if they're going to go anywhere offensively, he really does need to step up. Now, the tight end position, um, I knew George Kittle was going to get some playing time, but I thought there would be a little bit more variety there. I thought we would see Selleck get a lot of playing time. And even Paulson, and it ended up where Kittle got 54 snaps, Selleck 14, and, and Paulson 3. Were you surprised Kittle paid as much as he did, or, or do you think this is just an indication that the Niners are just ready to roll with him? I think they're ready to roll with him. I've been saying that since the beginning of training camp, too, so that did not surprise me. I think they've been ready to roll with him since um, the time they drafted him. So I really was not surprised by that. I think that is his position, and I think they're going to let him play as much as possible. I think Paulson was brought in mainly as a blocking tight end, and I do think they like Selleck, but I don't. he won't see nearly as much playing time as Kittle. I think that is their man at tight end. And it was encouraging for him to get five catches. I mean, I know he only had 27 yards or something like that, but to tight end's a tough position to play your first year in the league. So to come in and sort of be a safety valve right away, that was encouraging. Absolutely. And the fact that he caught the ball was encouraging. We haven't seen that a lot out of our tight end, so <laughs> that was encouraging yeah. as well. That's <laughs> true. And I, I think um, that old tight end you're referring to actually dropped a pass in Pittsburgh this weekend. So, um, yeah. It's, I feel um, bad, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Just a uh, very athletic, good blocker. Just just didn't work out um, no. because of that. So now we're getting into the old line because that worries me more than anything else. But the running backs, I didn't think that we really saw enough of to really make a judgment on what this running game is going to be. Hyde looked good when he had opportunities. He only carried the ball eight times. Um, Matt Burita only carried the ball four times and, and use check only with the one carry on fourth down, which I hated that play call with the way the offensive line was getting blown up, up the middle to run the ball up the middle on fourth down. I, I hated the play call. Um, but we didn't see enough of that running game. Can, can is there any way this running game can be successful with, with how poor the guard, the guard plays been so far? I don't think so. I mean, I think that the offensive line, mainly the guards, is the biggest problem on the team. And I think every problem, not every problem, but many of the problems, basically the problems on the offense stem from there. I know everyone was super hard on Hoyer yesterday on Twitter. I mean, the reality is, like, he's the quarterback. He's it. CJ's not going to start. You're not going to, like, it's not. So he's he's the starting quarterback for this year. Um, And I think... And I think that that is the right call. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that CJ won't get some reps or some playing time, but like at the end of the day, this is Brian Hoyer's team. So I think we all have to kind mm-hmm. of accept that. But I do think that a lot of the problems stem from those guards because Hoyer's being hurried. Hoyer's being sacked. He's being hit. He's running for his life. The run can't, game can't get going. And so that to me is the biggest concern on the team is that offensive line. Because if they can't figure that out, then none of the other stuff is going to work. I'm not saying there aren't better quarterbacks out there who deal with bad offensive lines, but even if you looked at Russell Wilson yesterday and Aaron Rodgers, they also mm-hmm. were behind bad offensive lines, and they didn't. They had tough games too. Um, Wilson, I think they were both sacked four times each. So it's that to me is the biggest issue on this team, or at least the biggest issue on the offense, because that affects everything else. If the quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball and is running for his life and is getting hit and knocked down and the running backs can't find a hole because there's not one being created, then that is going to deeply affect an offense and you're going to score three points. Yeah, and I, I tweeted out yesterday too in regards to the Bethard thing, and I, I in no way, shape, or form think that they should go to Bethard right now. I mean, that's it, crazy to even say that. Hoyer's so far and away better than what Bethard is at the moment. It's crazy to oh. say that, but I initially thought 
you know, maybe if it keeps snowballing, they get they get CJ some reps. You know, let's get him in the game. Let's get him some reps. And then after I, you know, I kind of thought about it overnight and said, if Shanahan did that, he's just asking for trouble because already there's question marks around Hoyer being your starter. You know, I almost feel like they have mm-hmm. to roll with Hoyer exclusively, even if it's even if it's you know 2010 start 0 and 5, and you know everything looks terrible. I think they have to roll with Hoyer at least in the beginning because if they do start pulling him here and there. You could shake his confidence. You could shake the team's confidence in him. And he is the unquestioned starter. And, and, and listen, we all like Beathard, and we think he can end up someday being a player, but he's not ready yet. He's just, he just isn't. So I feel like if they're 2-10 or something like that, then okay, maybe you let CJ start some games. But I think you got to roll with Hoyer for right now. I totally agree with you. And I think that that is – I think that does happen. If you start in game one, if you start pulling him, it wasn't that far gone. I mean, you know, some 23-3 is hardly great. But it wasn't forty-seven nothing. You ke- I think you're at you're at a position right now where yeah you got to just stick with your QB one, and that's your QB one. And again, it was it was game one, and it's going to be a building process for this team. This is a very young football team, and a, thirty new players, and I think fourteen rookies, and it's all going to take some time. Um, and I think that we forget. Um, Obviously, I am not a football coach. You are not a football coach. Um, but we all, I think we all, we're all Twitter coaches, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what we, what we can sometimes forget, and I say this as my dad has a friend who's a college football coach, and I say this also really being at practice every day and like being there, you, like I just see this, is there, when something goes wrong on a play, usually one thing didn't go wrong the thing that we saw went wrong, but there were probably one or two other things that went wrong that made the play we saw went go wrong, if that makes sense. It does, so absolutely. I think, I, so I kind of feel with Hoyer, Hoyer is who he is. He is not one of the elite quarterbacks, but he is fine for now. And I, it's almost like everyone kind of has to accept that, but I also think he's got to get a little bit of a break in what we saw go wrong. So many other things went wrong to get there. Um, and so that, I guess that's my feeling on that. I don't think he held on to the ball too long. I mean, there may have been times a little bit too long, but I don't think that was an issue yesterday. I really think those sacks were on the O-line. Yeah, I, agree. Um, I mean, I know like in the past I would blame the O-line and I think Cap probably did hold on to the ball too long and I'm a mm-hmm. huge Cap fan. So not always, but you know, I, I do think yesterday in looking those four sacks, I really don't think those were on Hoyer. Um, and there were, you know, there were a few things going wrong out there. Was it his fault that he went to hand off to the wrong side? Yes. But who knows what else happened on that play that led to that. So I guess that's the thing to keep in mind and not to be like over, not to be overly positive, but I, I just think there's going to be a lot of that this season with young players, basically a new team and a totally new coaching staff and scheme. There are going to be mistakes and they have a tough schedule. They're playing top team. I mean, they opened the season against Carolina. It's not a team that looked great, but who does have probably the best linebacker duo currently in the NFL and a former MVP at quarterback. Granted, he did not have an amazing game, but he played well enough. And, you know, they got mm-hmm. good things going on. And they have Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, they, it's not like they opened against the Browns. Right, right. And I think that's something to keep in mind, too. Now, I'm sure the game dictated part of this, but I expected Juszczyk to be on the field a lot more than he was. He only played 19 snaps. Were you surprised by that? That one I was a little surprised by, but I don't know if, it, like you said, if the game ended up dictating part of that. Um, but I was a little surprised. I thought we would see 
more of him as well, especially with Christian McCaffrey on the field because I felt like, you know, they both kind of have that weaponness about them where they can do offensive, a bunch of different things. Weapon, yeah, yeah. Offense, yes, weapons where they can do a bunch of different things. So I, um, so I kind of thought that maybe it would be a little bit more of a showcase, but, you know, the game may have dictated that there may have been plans for him that just didn't end up working out that I don't know. In finishing it'll be, it'll up be interesting on, to see how that continues. In finishing up on the offense, overall, they ran 54 plays for 217 yards, four yards per play, which is very 2015, 2016-ish. Um, and a lot of that was because, like, well, like we mentioned earlier, the, just the mess that is the interior line right now. I like Trent Brown, and I like Joe Staley on the edges, and, and my expectations for them coming in is that they would play well, and, and they did. But I was worried about that interior O-line, specifically Beatles and, and Brandon Fusco, and we saw that. And especially Beatles uh, through Sunday's game for per pro football focus, he was the lowest rated guard in the NFL. Do they have to pull the plug on him now? Like, do you force Tomlinson and in, in, not that I don't think Tomlinson is going to be the savior, but do do you force him in the lineup next week, or, or do you think they should roll Beatles another week or two? I think they force him in the lineup because I just think you got to at least see what you have. So I think you force him in the line the lineup. Um, you know, Shanahan said today that they block differently than what he's used to. And so they're going to get him more reps this week. But I think you, you've got to see what you have there. I you can't be worse than Beatles. No, um, again, be. <laughs> I'm totally being a Twitter couch coach now, uh, pretending like I know everything, but I, he can't be worse than Beatles. And it, it, Beatles, you know what you have in Beatles. You've seen it. You know, look at the film from last year. You look at the right. game yesterday. Like, you know what you have. I think you put Tomlinson, will he be the savior? No, but I feel like he has to be better. And it's just you want to see, I think you also want to see like the chemistry he has with everybody else because that is such a big part of it, the chemistry with everybody on the field. Um, So I say, if it were me, I say, assuming he's ready again, they probably know better than I do, but I would say you force him on in there because you might as well see what you have there because, because I think that's also a place where you don't want to mess around. Like, you know, we just talked about Hoyer and you stick with him and et cetera, et cetera. But like, you don't want to get Hoyer hurt. DJ Beathard is in no shape or form ready to be a starting quarterback in the right. NFL. And I think he was by far in a way the best choice for QB two, but you don't want to get Hoyer hurt. You don't want to get any of your running backs hurt. I, I think you've got to see what else you have out there. That would be my personal opinion on that. Agree hundred so, yeah. percent. Agree hundred <laughs> percent. The yeah. short I mean, answer you know, is yes. <laughs> you know what you're going to get. I agree hundred times with you, Tracy. All right, defensively now, I thought this defense was going to be miles better than it was last year. And I, I, Overall, pass rush still looks like an issue, but overall, I, I was impressed with how they played. Now, they did get lucky because Newton missed some throws. Newton had some touchdowns out there that he overthrew or, or just didn't make a good throw. So I think that they got lucky, but overall, taking steps in the right direction, I was pleased with the defense, especially when Reuben Foster was on the field. Now, he only played half of the first quarter, but I've, I've been saying for you know, however many months now that you could just tell he's a different type of football player. This guy stands out. He makes a difference when he's on the field and it looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks, but I thought he looked tremendous in that short time. I think he had three tackles. Um, he almost came down with that pick six and I really felt Mm -hmm. just his presence out there made a difference. And when he got hurt, it seemed like the air came out of the stadium, didn't it? It absolutely did. And I think, I think that is how, I think that shows what a difference maker he is. There is something about having him on the field just from a, um, not only from a um, play, a play perspective, but just like a presence. There is something about having him out there that I think makes a difference on the team. And I think it took a lot of the wind out of their sails because you had the the Goodwin drop, then the Brian Hoyer strip sack and fumble. And then 
foster. I mean, granted, that was three things pretty much back to back to back that affected them. But mm-hmm. it was like the foster thing was the, you know, straw that broke the camel's back. And I think it really did take the wind um, out of their sails because he did look so special while he was out there. And he is so special. Um, and I, you know, I know he'll be out, they say, I guess, a month or so, maybe a little bit more, and he'll have a boot on. And so hopefully it won't be a too serious injury. There's obviously no reason to rush him back. But I do also generally, I agree with you, I, and that's where I found the most positives in this game were with the defense. I mean, the run defense was far and away better. I know they gave up 114 yards, but like last season, I was saying this um, earlier today on our podcast, like last season, they, another team would sign a running back on Thursday, and on Sunday he'd rush for 300 yards against the defense. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. like, does that, I mean, like, that's, I'm being slightly, obviously I'm exaggerating a little, but not that much. And I think, that that is, I think that was very encouraging. It was certainly better, especially again with the Christian McCaffrey and Jonathan Stewart. I think that was certainly better. Um, and then I think, you know, I agree with you. Pass rush is still somewhat of an issue, but I think a little bit of that is just Solomon Thomas getting used to being out there and chemistry with Armstead and Buckner, and that's rep. And you can't forget, like, Sol- Solomon Thomas missed the whole off-season program because mm-hmm. um, of Stanford's quarter system. So he's still getting reps and getting used to it. And I, I really do think this defense is going to end up being something special. I don't know that it's going to be this season, but I think we're going to see continued improvement there. Um, so I feel really good about the defense. That, to me, was the biggest positive, that this defense – has been really hyped up, and I think that eventually they re- and eventually isn't probably that far away. I think it will be something special, especially with Ruben Foster, and especially if he can stay healthy. Um, but I think we saw some good. Obviously, Jaquaski Tart had a really hard start to the game, but then after that interception, he really settled in. He won't be the starter in theory. I think Jimmy Ward gets back someday. Um, yes, yeah, at the moment, obviously, <laughs> nobody knows. Um, but assuming he gets back someday, but I think we did see some positive um, on the defense. And I, I think that's a place where 49 fans can say, okay, this is, this is progress. And the expectation for the defensive line with me was that they were going to be miles better against the run. And they were, it, it, the Panthers gained 114 yards. But it was not like 38 carries, you know, it's only a little bit over three yards of carry. Yeah. And that's a good running team. You have McCaffrey, you have Stewart, you have Newton who, who gives an added dimension with that. So they did a great job up front in that regard, but the pass rush was not there and it may be there at some point, but I thought this was the type of team. I didn't think they were going to have a 10, 12, 15 sack guy. I thought they might have three or four guys with six, seven, eight sacks, you know, a balanced attack, Mm -hmm. but didn't get much of any of that yesterday. And I know it's just one game, but do you worry at all that maybe they're just sort of a bunch of run stuffers right now and there's no true pass rusher? What kind of dogs do you have, by the way? They're both Chihuahua mixes. I was going to say they sound small. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, don't don't tell them that. I'm going to go in the other room. Um, I think that remains to be seen, to be honest. I, I really do think that remains to be seen. I think we're going to have to see how all of that plays out. I I think they're going to need, need Solomon Thomas to make more of an impact than he made yesterday, and I think he will. Um, I just think it's going to take a little time. I mean, it's interesting. Going to Seattle, which has the potential to be a complete disaster and probably will be. However, they will be dealing with a terrible offensive line and it actually could be a place where they can kind of get that ship together a little bit. 
um, to be honest, because they, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, terrible offensive line. I didn't mean terrible defensive line. Did I say, I don't know if I said defensive. They have a terrible offensive line. Right, offensive um, line, yeah. A lot of struggles there. So that actually may be a place where um, our pass rush gets a little work in and actually is, is decent, what remains to be seen, of course, because um, I think everything else in that game is going to be kind of a mess. But um, I think that one just remains to be seen. I just think we don't, I think we don't know yet. Just see, like, does do Armstead and Buckner together all season and healthy? Are they the twin towers we need them to be? Does Solomon Thomas come in and make the impact that the foreigners are hoping he's going to make? You know, are the inside linebackers, who is Ruben going to be able to stay healthy? Is Navarro Bowman where he was? I don't think Navarro Bowman's a concern, to be honest. And I actually think Ray Ray Armstrong does a nice job out there. So, um, you know, I just think it's, there's a lot of question marks there on the pass rush. And I think it just kind of, it remains to be seen. And I think we'll learn a lot over the next several weeks because you have Russell Wilson Sunday. And then Jared Goff, who had a great game yesterday, also remains to be seen if that was mm. a fluke and the Colts are terrible. Or if Jared Goff has really come into his own under Sean McVay, then they're going to have Carson Palmer. Um, and then then do they go to Indianapolis? And we'll see whether or not and- Andrew Luck is playing. Um, but they have a lot of tests over the next several weeks. And I think we'll know a lot more over the next several weeks. Now, before we wrap this up and kind of look ahead to week two, just really quickly, um, I did want to bring up the coaching um, because it was not a good debut for Kyle Shanahan. And and I love Kyle Shanahan. I thought he was the right choice. He was the guy I wanted. I think he's going to be an outstanding head coach. I really do. It was a rough first day. It was a really rough first day. He had 10 penalties. Some of those fourth down calls, I just, I didn't understand. Um, It kind of gave, I, I mean, I get where he's trying to give his team a spark, but they were bad play calls. And the one at midfield that gave, Carolina points at the end of the half, just kind of odd decisions. Um, but you got to remember this was his first head coaching game and it's going to get better. And you have a rookie defensive coordinator. And one thing I was just thinking, and I don't, you know, I, I love Robert Sala and I look again, I, I am huge on this coaching staff, but you brought up the Rams and McVay and you have to wonder if just having a vet like Wade Phillips around helps McVay. You know what I mean? Just that he's been around and, and he sort of, has done this before. I wonder if you could lean on that and you could say Shannon has his father to do that, I guess if he needs to, but um, that's just interesting because the, because the Rams did look so good, but Shanahan, I think it's, it's, I'm not worried about that. And he took some heat yesterday. I think it's, it's only going to go up from here. I, I still think this guy's a really good head coach. Um, maybe he was trying to get a little too cute in week one and you know, that's human nature. It's his first, his first game. Um, but I do think, like you said, that this team's going to get better and the offense is going to get better. And Tracy, we have to remember the Falcons in the first year in 2015, they struggled that year with Shanahan, if you remember right, before they blew the yeah. doors off of everybody in 2016. So we got to practice patience with him, right, with Shanahan. Right and they now. struggled with they struggled with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. So, right, right. You know, so and Tyler Gabriel. And, I mean, they struggled with, like, um, really strong talent that this 49ers team doesn't have yet. And I think that's the other thing to keep in mind with Shanahan. I you know, it, he is a rookie as well. And so they're going to definitely be growing pains. And, and he, this season really more than he should be able to experiment and kind of play around with things and see what works and see what doesn't, because this is the year for him to do that, in my opinion. Um, but he also, he wasn't coming here with those players. It wasn't like they signed Kyle Shanahan. Then they also got Matt Ryan, Julio Jones and Tyler Gabriel. So, and Devontae Freeman. So I think that's the other thing too the thing to remember with this team is this team is rebuilding and they're really were rebuilding or are rebuilding from scratch. So he's got the talent he has is the talent he has and the personnel to work with. And same for Sala. Um, 
and they'll have to kind of see how that plays out. I mean, I guess you could make the case with the Rams and like Jared Goff was terrible last year, but I think we also have to see like they played the Colts yesterday and the Colts played terribly. I mean, their coach didn't even know who they were playing. So that that was like really, that was very bizarre. So I think um, you kind of have to keep all of that in mind as well. And the personnel he has is the per- he's not a miracle worker. I think he. Does, I agree with you. I think he's going to be a fantastic head coach, but he's going to be able to do the best he can with what he has. And what he has right now is fine. It's better than probably Chip had last year, but it's still not the caliber that he had in Atlanta. And so that's another thing I think everybody has to remember. And a rebuild means a rebuild, and you can't rebuild as you said earlier. Rome wasn't built in a day, and you're not going to be able to rebuild anything and they took the philosophy and I don't disagree with it that they were going to you know draft well um and rebuild with youth and bring in some veteran players that had the kind of culture aspect that they were looking for but they weren't going to bring in anybody super flashy this year because this was that's not where they are right now and it made more sense to wait on that. And I don't disagree with that philosophy at all. But then that is going to take some patience from everybody. Now, looking forward to the next game over under for Seahawks sacks. 15, you think? You think? Oh, and, Seahawks, Seahawks yeah. stacking Hoyer 15 times? Yeah, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. No, it's, it's going to be bad. But God, I hope it's not 15 times. Yeah. Um, I mean, if they, if I, I would say that is one situation that if he's being sacked that much and they put should put <laughs> Bethard in to save because because he's younger and like they should to save Hoyer like then then the sack should be divvied up among a couple different quarterbacks. Um, I don't think it's going to be 15 sacks. It's not going to be pretty though because that Seattle defense, our defense, I think the Niners defense will be something special, but the Seattle defense is something special. So I think that. Um, that is going to be some rough stuff, but oof, I don't know. It's going to be, it's not going to be pretty. I'm not saying that's interesting because Seahawks have plenty of issues of their own on offense and on their line, but oh, sure. they're still the Seahawks and they have such an elite defense and they are playing at Century League Field, which is basically impossible. I mean, listen, the 49ers have lost them seven games in a row. One day they have to beat them. I just don't know that that day is going to be Sunday. Yeah, Seahawks are coming off a loss. It's it's going to be ugly. I just want to see again. I just want to see positives in the game. I just want to see things that yeah. you look to and say, okay, you know, this got better and that got better. And there are, you know, 14, 15 rookies on this team, so it is going to take time. But I'll tell you what, if if it looks like week one, I know I know it could be ugly, but if it's as ugly as week one, I ugh, it's you know, I just I hope people don't turn on this team because you do have to be patient. And like I said earlier, it's hard as a fan to be patient because of what you've seen the last two and a half years. But it, they're just it's not almost there like yet. fans have to pretend the last two and a half years didn't happen. Right. Because it's you like, do. it really kind of is like a fresh start for everybody. Mistakes were made. Mistakes were acknowledged. It's now time to like move forward. And I do like very strongly believe that like, I just feel like it's just time for everyone to like move forward. The last two and a half years happened. There's nothing that can be done about them now. All that can be done about is the future and now. So like you move forward. And I think it's almost like you have to pretend those last two and a half years didn't happen and you're starting with a young rebuilding team with an exciting new coach, an exciting uh, general manager, and you got to see how it plays out over the next couple of years. Because I think if you start going back to the last couple of years, it's just going to be really rough stuff. It's going to be a, so gonna that's be a my, rough That's year. my sage advice. <laughs> um, and it's and good I think advice. everyone should prepare themselves that Sunday could be really ugly. Yeah, it's it going to be, be bad. real bad. And so I think, I think if everybody goes into it feeling that way, then it shouldn't be too big a surprise. 
have a couple drinks before the game starts. That would be my advice. Just get yourself feeling yeah. nice and relaxed and, and, and just get yes. into, um, yeah. Actually we so. did, I did do a video last year and I think it will still, um, hold true this year. Uh, tips and tricks to invo- to enjoy the game, no matter how your team is playing. So, um, I think, you know, you may want to check that out. I know one of them in, um, involved a Colin Kaepernick drinking game. So that, won't work, but you could just tailor it instead of talking about how many times he kneels. You could see how many talk the way they talk about other people kneeling. And Michael Bennett will be in this game, and Eric Reed will kneel, so you could like just tailor it to that. To um, that way, yeah. and and I would just recommend it because I did give some options of things you could do to actually enjoy the game, no matter what. So <laughs> I want to keep that in mind. Now, Tracy, tell everyone again um, where they can find you on Twitter and your what your website is. You can find me on Twitter at Forty Niners Fangirl uh, and on Instagram. The website is fangirlsportsnetwork.com, and you can find the content for all the fangirls, including all of their social channels, subscribe to everyone's newsletters, um, and it should be a very fun season of fangirls. Tracy, this was a lot of fun. we got to have you back when Zane's back on at some point, hopefully maybe that after a win. Or, but we'll definitely yes. do this again. We really appreciate the time. And we will be back next week. Zane's going to be back, and we're going to have guest Daniel Brown from the Mercury News. So that'll be fun. So until then, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon.